Our Bible reading today is from Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 6. Jesus sends out the twelve. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal those who were ill. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Ali. So there's a moment where Jesus sends out uh, his first followers, some of them, uh, to do the mission, sending them out as messengers of good news. And the only resource they have is in God himself. And they're told, don't take extra stuff with you. Um, Sue and I were talking about um, having a holiday uh, last night. And I know whenever I think about holidays, I know that different members of our household take varying amounts of luggage with them. Just, just turn to your neighbor. Let's have a moment of honesty at, this, at the start of this sermon. Are you someone who takes a lot of luggage or are you just a toothbrush? Let's see where this goes. Okay, let's just see how this goes. Um, could, could we ask, how many of you are really minimalist? Take as little as possible. The, the 12 of you can feel smug at this moment, obviously. Who of you would say, you're real, to be honest, you tend towards taking more than is strictly necessary? Okay, there's no shame here. Although did, Jesus did say something about it, in fact, so maybe there should be. Um, but what does Jesus say? Let's just look at these words again. Um, when Jesus had called the twelve together, so there's always this pattern. Jesus brings them to him, then he sends them out. Just the same, we're brought to him, and then we go out to make a difference in the world. He gave them two things, power and authority, which sounds similar, but they're slightly different. Power is when you just have a gift to be able to do something, all the strength to do it. And authority is where you have the right to do something. So if you were to walk out now into the Castle Road, you couldn't stop traffic. You, you haven't got the power to do that. If you, however, were dressed in um, a police officer's uniform and put up your hand, you still haven't got power, but you now have authority and could stop it. So you see the difference, power and authority. Uh, dunamis and exousia, those two really important biblical words. And sometimes God's given us powers to do stuff. It could be gifts of the Spirit or just natural in, in how he's created you. You have got powers. But in Jesus' name, we all also have authority. So we go into various situations, and I know I just say, well, Lord, here I go, in your name, Please give me, lend me your authority for the task ahead. And we can all do that when we're in ministry or challenging situations. 
uh, to be uh, the person Jesus intends us to be. Uh, and so I think that's still the case. It was the case then, it's the same now. The gospel is preached, and these things always go together. The preaching of the gospel, uh, people being set free in different ways, and healing coming in Jesus' name. So I hope we're excited about all these things. We don't always understand what's going on. We sometimes, you know, terrible things happen. We can't fix it always. But this is the kingdom of God breaking into lives, and we're meant to be part of that uh, good news to the world. But in this uh, series of making Jesus known, that's our strap line for the next four months, and it's the very words used by the diocese in explaining the next five years of their program. And the diocese has identified five things that are really important for the diocese to be able to be healthy and to grow. So courageous Christian leadership, working for justice, creative partners, we'll be thinking about that uh, next week, about having other mission partners, championing climate justice, and then financial st sustainability. So some of them we might think, oh yes, that's brilliant, and others, hmm, no. But actually, it's all part of the one thing for the kingdom of God to come. And today, we're thinking about the fourth of those, championing climate justice. And I want to say I really have had to change my mind on this, because I thought, well, this is a bolt-on for some keenies. I thought it was slightly aberrant and wacky, and I was wrong. This is all integral to the good news of God's love for the world, that we care about climate justice. And I, if you don't agree, well, let's think about this together. I'm going to set out the stall as, as well as I can, because I'm actually now really quite uh, passionate about it, and I've changed my mind. So the good news also includes not just our own personal sins and knowing we're forgiven, uh, but uh, how God wants to interact with the world and that the world is a good place for all his creation. If there's one Bible verse I'd love everyone to be able to remember from today, it would be Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I quite often have a compartmentalized uh, view of my life. I think, well, there's, I go to church there, I work there, I shop there, I have my friends here. But actually, it's all. And so with the world... The whole of the earth and everything in it belongs to God. And I wonder, I want to challenge and encourage you to think about it. Do we believe it and do we live as though we believe it? It all belongs to God. We're entrusted as stewards of God's world to care for it, for him. And uh, in a moment when we give thanks to God for the collection, we'll use some words from the Old Testament. So, David invited the people to give generously so they could build the first temple. And then a thought comes to him, actually, we've got all this to give to you, but it's not, it wasn't ours ever, really, originally. All things come from you, O Lord, and of your own have we given you. When we're giving back, we're giving back to God what is already his. And that's true for the whole world. I think in the preschools I've heard what Sue's going to be doing they're going to be sick they've got a great big globe which will be batting around um, 
and they'll be singing, he's got the whole world in his hand. I, I believe that's true. It's not just a children's song, it's true. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I always think like Ali G when I say, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. But anyway, however you hear it, it's all God's. Um, but let's have a reality check. How many of you like new things? Okay, most of us at times love new things. And we have become a deeply consumerist society. So our economy is based on us buying stuff. We buy things, they break, and then we buy new things. Now, is God like that? I used to think actually in some ways he was. Because if we were to read uh, Revelation 21, we see, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There's no longer any sea. I was always sad about that, to be honest, being a Guernsey member. Um, then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Um, and then uh, in verse 4, or no, verse 5, I'm making everything new. I thought, oh, yeah, we've trashed this world, but fortunately, we can always get a new one. Now, I really want to challenge that. I don't think that's what it means at all. Um, the background is, of course, that God made the world so well. At the end of his first working week, God could look on everything he'd done and say, this is very good. I wish I had more weeks where I could say, oh, everything I've done is very good. But it's not like that. But God could. It was all. The, the earth is the Lord's and it's all good. But of course, sin enters the world, and the sin of the world is not just out there, it's in you, it's in me. We're all corrupted and infected by it. We're polluted, just like Adam and Eve. And then the effects of sin are written out in Revelation 21. There's broken relationships between us and God, and between us and one another. There's tears and mourning and crying. There's so much loss at the moment. There's pain, and that's physical and spiritual and emotional, as individuals and as whole countries and continents at times. And in the end, there's death. So no wonder God feels, oh, I wish I hadn't bothered doing this. That's how he feels in Genesis 6, and then we've got the Noah narrative. So God decides he's going to do something about it. Is it best to chuck the old world away and start again? What does God actually say? Um, in the Greek alphabet, that's the Greek alphabet, there's alpha all the way to omega, the A and the Z of the Greek alphabet. And Jesus says, I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And I think we're meant to attend to this. Now, in Greek, there's two words that mean new. One of them is called neos, which means it's brand new. It never existed before. It's neos. Another is like the repair shop. It's been renewed. And that is called kainos. So it's called new, it's translated new, but it means renewed. Now, which in Revelation 21, the word new comes four times, which is it? It's kainos. And that actually sounds quite different. God says, I'm making everything renewed. Then I saw a renewed heaven and a renewed earth. 
for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. I saw the holy city, the renewed Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And he who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything renewed. That sounds to me quite different from how I used to think of it as, oh, stuff this world, it's going to hell. That's not what God says. He says, I'm going to renew all things. The kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So the hope for the world is renewal. What does God do all day, every day? Pretty much this. He mends things that are broken. The planet, our futures and our histories, human lives and whole peoples. I know a vicar who only knows one Bible verse off by heart, and it's John 3.16. But if that's, it's a great verse. God so loved the world, and the translation of that Greek word is cosmos. I used to think God loves me and my little life so much. But it's a much bigger vision. God so loves the whole cosmos, the entire universe that Jesus came, so that everyone who believes in him. So we respond to God as individuals, but the kingdom of God coming, the renewal of all things, is way bigger just than my life. And we're invited into God's vision of what his activity is in the world. And so I can be renewed. You can too. How many of you, can I ask, have ever in an emergency borrowed someone else's car? Okay, there's several of us have been in this situation. Uh, once my car suddenly uh, had completely broken down and I had four children at school that I had to pick up and I only you know, had three minutes in which to set off on the journey and I was terrified. And so I asked a next-door neighbour, may I borrow your car? And they were so lovely. But the thing I remember about the journey is that I drove much better than usual, <laughs> even though I was slightly late. I was a model driver because I was so aware, this is not my vehicle. I better be, I want to return it in one piece, looking uh, good. So we drive carefully when it's someone else's. Now, I believe the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Now, if I really believed that, I would treat it more carefully because it's not mine. Sometimes in church, people lead the intercessions and, they, and I know it's, it's not a sin, but they say, Lord, we thank you for our world. And I have a little, little mental note, God's world. Lord, it's your world. Help us to respond appropriately as something that is borrowed from you. So let's get really practical. Where, where does this actually lead us? We had a sermon review group yesterday. We do that sort of each term and people share uh, sermons. I shared this sermon yesterday. Uh, they were pretty mean actually. But, so, but um, I really don't want to come across like I've got this right. I know I haven't. I'm work in progress, trying to work out what, does, what is God's demand and call on my life in this area. But I just want to put it out there as an idea. Does it make sense to have a residential close of 12 houses, each with small gardens, and 12 lawnmowers 
in 12 sheds. I mean, it doesn't make economic sense. Probably socially it doesn't make sense, and probably theologically it's questionable. And yet, I just thought that was normal. And it is normative behavior, but is it a kingdom way of living? Probably not. And can we share? The trouble is I love having my own toys. Two years ago, my angle grinder broke. And I have very soft feelings for my angle grinder. It's very special to me. And so I, I, Sue and I were going to see someone. We had to help them. And I knew I needed an angle grinder. And Sue lovingly pointed out I, I didn't need to have my own angle grinder. I was furious because I knew she was right. And so lovingly I asked Brian and he said who's the man who has the tools I said Brian and he wasn't horrible at all he was remarkably kind I was hoping he'd say no so I could buy my own angle but he wasn't he was nice and he let me but I only needed it for two days and it did the job but I know I found that challenging I wonder which you find harder to do to ask someone else if you could borrow their stuff or is it harder if someone asks you to borrow your stuff? How attached are we to our stuff? Most of us, I mean, it perhaps depends what it is. Is there anything you jointly own with a number, another person not in your household? Any, any of us in that category? You can be feeling great, Kay. That's great. Most of us don't. We, I mean, our society militates against that um, what do we regularly share with those who live near us you see I used to think I didn't have real choices I didn't know there was an option to talk to a neighbor never really crossed my mind that I might do that now again I please I'm not saying we've got this right but three years ago Sue and I decided actually and it was in the pandemic we didn't need two cars and so we were able to bless another household with a car. I just mentioned it. I mean, it was such a blessing to them. And I then was richer because I wasn't paying for a second car that I didn't often use. In the course of my life, I've been given four cars by people. And sometimes it was so fantastic, brilliant. And we've also given away four cars. It just so happens we've been able to do that. Um, I could go two weeks now because I live in Salisbury, without needing to drive. If I really have to get somewhere, Joe and I had to go somewhere, we both cycled. That wouldn't have been a crime. If it had been raining, I'd been hoping he had dibs on the car not to get wet. But if I need a longer journey, I've got a motorbike, so I can use that. Now, don't feel shame. If you're having to commute miles to work, you can't always cycle. And when we had four children at school, they weren't going on the back of the bike. So we've got to live within what life is, but we can reduce. And I just didn't think I had any agency in this. I didn't think I had a, a choice. What Jesus says, Jesus told them, take nothing for the journey. I mean, other than power and authority. Uh, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra T-shirt wonder which of those you, you'd find hardest to put down. Probably not so many of us have walking sticks, maybe some. Bag, the, the old luggage. Food, having slightly less food. 
You can tell I fast almost constantly. That's a joke, sorry. I, you'll notice there are jokes every so often, and they punctuate it. No money, giving away more money. Or clothes, we don't need so many clothes. So that's what Jesus says to his first followers. And it seems to me this is a prophetic challenge to our journey through life, for our whole culture, not getting overcluttered. The treasure is who they are. When he sends them out as apostles, apostello, he sends them out in his name. And it's who they are. That's the treasure, not the stuff they're carrying. So how much extra stuff do we all need? I almost never buy new clothes. I got this for Christmas. Um, I'm very grateful. My children clubbed together and got it. But I don't really like clothes. I mean, I like having enough clothes, but... uh, (laughs) Just clarify that point. But I don't love buying clothes. I know some people love buying clothes. I like having more angle grinders. <laughs> and, you know, there's boys' toys. There's, oh, yeah. We all have our own uh, preferences. Um, now, there are, though, some things that are beyond our power. We need systemic change. And this is where the first point for the diocese is you know, really courageous leadership. And courageous leaders leaders do difficult things that annoy people, but lead them in a better direction. Now, for 20 years, uh, we as a family lived in Dorset, and Purbeck had one of the worst recycling um, services in the whole country. And then one year, they changed it. And I was pretty furious with them, actually because we couldn't chuck away so much rubbish. But the way they organized it in that just collecting different things, um, and I'm just saying this, I didn't think I had agency in it, but I did. When we found we could only get rid of certain things in certain ways, we then got five different bins. I'm just using this as an example. So we had paper, plastics, rubbish, glass, and compost. And we decided we won't have a bin in the kitchen Otherwise, I'm just going to chuck everything in the bin. I'm so lazy. But if I've got to walk somewhere anyway, I may as well put it in the correct bin. So I sort of, the council made me organize my life. And I was cross with them. But within a few years, Purbeck went from 24% to over 70% recycling. So they made me do it, but then it's become natural to me. Now, there's a few people here who are old enough to remember not wearing a seatbelt when you drive. How many of you remember those happy days? Of course, they weren't very happy. When the new law was... My children would never think of driving without a seatbelt. The people who resist it are the people who remember what it's like to have the freedom to be really hurt in a crash. Um, So the resistance was from older people who'd known it a different way. The rising generation never think about it. It's just that's the new normal. So we need courageous leaders and we need to vote them in who will do the right thing that we don't want to do but will drag us into doing the right thing and collectively when we do that. Do you see what I'm saying? So I need to submit my will to someone who I'm slightly irritated with but think they are going to lead us in a better direction. Um, So now I, I... I've thrown away litter. 
It's about the biggest sin you can do today, isn't it? Well, no, that's not true, but... Um, we can, though, all reduce, reuse, and recycle. And I used to think this is an optional extra, that it was irrelevant to the good news. I now see it's part of the good news. It's because God so loves the cosmos. He loves this world, and we're called to, to care for it. And it's a theological issue. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And the tragedy is that the main victims of global warming, rising sea levels, deforestation, pollution, etc., etc., are not uh, the main victims are the least contributing to the problem. And that's why it's an issue of global justice, climate justice. Um, the people with the smallest footprints who do the least damage are often affected the worst. So it's not, I think, just a matter of personal preference, but of God's justice. Many of you, I know, will be uh, vegetarian or flexitarian or trying to reduce your meat consumption. I mean, I love a steak. I can't help it. Well, perhaps I could help it, but I don't want to. But I'm choosing, I'm trying to make better choices. And I often thought I didn't have choices. And I'm just encouraging you to think, well, what are the good choices we would make. So let's pray for the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds. Lord, there's a lot of ideas there, and we don't want to just be greenwashing things, pretending we're doing better than we are. We do want to respond to your call on our lives to live responsibly as citizens of this planet, to care for those who have almost no voice in the biggest decisions. Lord, you gave your followers power and authority, but said they didn't need as many toys and stuff. So, Lord, where we need to rethink, where our brains need rewiring, where our hearts need challenging and expanding, please would you do that work in us? Please come, Holy Spirit. Show us what practical steps we might take to show that we're people who believe the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. In Jesus' name, amen.